for a second there. I want to make sure my phone turned off. That happened to me one time when I was um, praying on a Sunday morning. And I started praying, and I heard a phone ringing. And I was like, uh-oh, someone in the front row has got their phone on. <laughs> it was ringing for a while, and I was like, wow, I thought someone might get it by now. Still praying, you know, you're trying to pay Then I realized it was my phone in my pocket ringing. So turn it off real quick. Hopefully no one sees it. I should have been closed, so hopefully I got away with it. But we're going to go ahead and read from Galatians. We're going to pick up right where Claude left off. Um, Claude sharing the story about the confrontation between uh, Peter and Paul. Um, Really, that confrontation, too, highlighting again for us, right, what Paul's been saying from the beginning, my gospel's not from man, that it always came directly from Christ. Then it makes sense, right, that he and Peter could have a disagreement because he's appealing to Christ, not to Peter or any of his other friends, that they're always looking to Christ to see, what what does Christ have to say about this? What's in line with the gospel? And as Claude ended last week, and I totally appreciated the 1970s Yankee Red Sox uh, comment, Craig Nettles were playing baseball and working in a circus. Unfortunately, those guys hammered us through most of the 70s. So... But we're going to pick up with a little bit of overlap because when Claude talked about where Paul confronted Peter, he he snuck into verses 15 and 16 a little bit, which is helpful because those are great transition verses. We're going to pick up there again at 15 and 16, and it seems pretty clear in what Paul has to say in verses 15 and 16 that he's still thinking of his situation with Peter, that these verses applied to that story I just wrote about, this confrontation with Peter. But they also move us in to another side of an issue. Legalism, I'll give you a hint, it's not the only problem going on in Galatians. So let's go ahead and pick it up here. Galatians 2, verse 15 We're going to read all the way through to chapter 3, verse 6. Probably take us a minute or so. We ourselves are Jews by birth and not Gentile sinners. Yet we know that a person is not justified by works of the law, but through faith in Jesus Christ. A remarkable statement Paul's making, right? For a first century Jew, that is a remarkable statement. I'm Jewish. And we know, as believers, you can't be righteous by the law. Yet we know that a person is not justified by works of the law, but through faith in Jesus Christ. So we also have believed in Christ Jesus in order to be justified by faith in Christ and not by works of the law. Because by works of the law, no one will be justified. But if, in our endeavor to be justified in Christ, we too were found to be sinners, is Christ then a servant of sin? Certainly not. For if I rebuild what I tore down, 
I prove myself to be a transgressor. For through the law, I died to the law so that I might live to God. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. In the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I do not nullify the grace of God. For if righteousness were through the law, then Christ died for no purpose. O foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? It was before your eyes that Jesus Christ was publicly portrayed as crucified. Let me ask you only this. Did you receive the Spirit by works of the law or by hearing with faith? First mention of the hero here. <laughs> right? We haven't heard any talk of the Holy Spirit so far. And now he's who we're going to be hearing about for the rest of Galatians. It's like, enter the hero. Let me ask you only this. Did you receive the Spirit by works of the law or by hearing with faith? Are you so foolish, having begun by the Spirit, are you now being perfected by the flesh? Did you suffer so many things in vain, if indeed it was in vain? Does he who supplies the Spirit to you and works miracles among you do so by works of the law or by hearing with faith, just as Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness? Just recently, there was another sad story, really sad public story in the Western church. You know, over the summer, uh, it came out that Bill Hybels had had inappropriate, destructive behavior going on for what it sounds like without being close to the situation, but knowing that it was at least obvious enough to get him fired, that he, he had partook in destructive behavior. That that's in the church, that this is a, a leader in the church that not only destroyed his own life, but it appears being far away, right, far away from the situation without really knowing all the details, that his behavior was destructive to himself. It was destructive to those who he put it on. It was destructive to his church. And when someone's that known, it's like when David failed, right? And Nathan comes to him and says, you've given people reason to blaspheme God. That we felt it even here, right? That we have Global Leadership Summit, which is a, a big, good work that was headed up by Bill Hybels. And we had to get up and, and, and talk about it because it was so out there, you could not talk about it, right? It's, it's in the Chicago Tribune. It's, it's everywhere. It's online. That this destructive behavior, it exists among those in church. 
And that's just one of the big, big picture ones, right? One of the public ones, the ones that we hear about. But we know that it's all over the place. Like I, I just went back to California. That's where I was last week for a wedding. It was really great. I mean, it was wonderful just to see family and friends that you know, I haven't seen since the last wedding, right? And before that, it was a funeral. It really is kind of down to the weddings and funerals sort of thing. And so it's, it's every few years and to reconnect with everybody and hear stories and see kids grown and, and some of them really grown. <laughs> but also to see destructive behavior, right? And, you know, you move right back into that crazy family stuff, right? Everybody's family's crazy. If you don't think they're crazy, you just don't know them well enough. So you move back into these like family situations and dynamics and you're reminded, oh yeah, that did hurt. <laughs> I remember that. And it's not like it just happened in the past. The reason you can remember the past is because the destructive behavior is still going on. I saw a mom who loves her daughter. I know she wants to love her well. I saw her laying criticism that she thought was funny, apparently, on this adult daughter of hers, and you could just see the adult daughter crushed into her chair. And everybody else in the family who's hearing it wondering, how do I respond to this? What do we do? You know, if I just speak up real fast, I might not even get heard. What do you do? But it's this destructive behavior. And I know it's not just in my family or Karen's family, because when I came back this week and reconnected with someone, I was talking to a friend who had just gone down south for uh, a funeral. And another friend was also there who had just had family come up from the south because of the storm and stayed at their house. And what was spoken about, and by the way, this, this is obviously... Destructive behavior that's outside the church as well. But that some of this, even much of this, is happening among family members who go to church every week. And when I talk to these other friends of mine who have just encountered family and friends, and I hear the same sort of thing. How hard it can be with family. Just the constant critical nature of family. The amount of slander sometimes, and slander that just goes unchecked. I'm not talking about slander where later you say sorry. Just It becomes the habit of ours, right? It can become a habit. We just talk about people who aren't in the room in a negative manner. I heard it so much this past weekend that I knew as soon as I leave the room, you're going to be talking about me. <laughs> you're talking about everybody. A little good, and then it's like, they get a little good, and then it's like, bam, 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 bam. Wow, no. No, this is destructive. Destructive behavior exists now among those in church, but destructive behavior has always existed among those in church. 
And we start to feel it in this passage. Right? We got it highlighted just with Peter. Right? Peter was doing some destructive behavior. But as we get to verse 17, after Peter, I'm sorry, Paul now has said, look, you cannot become righteous by the law. He starts talking about a problem. A problem that I find it hard to believe is just a hypothetical. A problem that he's seen. He says, okay, what do we do though, right? If we no longer are under the law, what do we do when, when we seek to be righteous in Christ, when we're trying to be justified in Christ, we find ourselves to be sinners. That in the church, we're moving after Jesus, right? People who are seeking to be righteous, to be justified in Christ, it becomes obvious, right? Evidence is put forward through their words and their actions. Things they're saying and doing that, whoa, that's sin. That's sin. Paul says, what does this mean? Does this mean... That Jesus, then, is a servant or a slave to sin? Absolutely not. I'm guessing that those who are saying you need the law put forth that argument. Right? That, look, you eliminate the law and look what this church does. They just start sinning. So if you eliminate the law and they're sinning, and you're talking about, hey, they're following Christ, then are you saying as they follow Christ, they sin? Does Christ serve sin? Paul's like, no, no, no. That's not the issue. Paul actually highlights two bad responses, two poor responses within the church. Two poor responses to destructive behavior. One of them gets talked about a lot. One of them, not so much, but equally deadly. And I'm not saying it doesn't get talked about. I'm just saying I hear more of the other one. Legalism and apathy are both poor responses to destructive behavior. In the legalism one, when we go through Galatians, gets talked about a lot. You know, like you can't add law to the gospel. If you add law to the gospel, like then you have made Christ's death worth nothing. But there's another response going on in Galatia that I actually think is more prevalent in our Western church than legalism. I think it's apathy. Okay, when I was growing up, um, I grew up south of Boston. I went to a Catholic high school, a Catholic college. A Catholic college is playing Virginia Tech tomorrow, by the way. Catholics aren't all bad. So I had a ton of Catholic friends growing up. And when I was in high school, I did not hang out with devout Catholics because I was not a devout Protestant. So we hung out together, right? 
And we hung out together, and we had many destructive behaviors. Many. And sadly, it went on right through college. And I mean sadly. The first time I drove back to Notre Dame with the kids, I didn't know this was going to happen to me, but as soon as I hit campus, uh, I started to cry. I, I just looked around and remembered all the destructive behavior. Opportunity loss, choosing death over life, just bah, destructive to me, destructive to others. So I hung out with my Catholic friends who also practiced destructive behavior. That's who I was comfortable with. Here was their response to destructive behavior. It's like legalistic. They would then go, they'd go crazy on Friday and Saturday and then go to confession. And it was good. It was good. They were done. I hear the Catholics laughing. They remember high school. That's how it was. Okay, here was my Protestant apathetic response. You are ridiculous. You cannot be forgiven through confession. I am forgiven because I believe. And it's all about relationship. So now pass the beer. You know, like, it was ridiculous. It was like this saying that you give, like this equation that I had, that said, I'm saved by grace, and so then I can be apathetic to all my sin. I didn't even put forth any effort. At least they put forth a little effort. But honestly, when I look back, I would just say, our responses were equally deadly, equally poor. That we, we don't think legalism is better than apathy. Do we? Paul didn't. Paul did not. In my head, I had heard it said enough times that you're forgiven by grace, so it, this is what I heard. I'm not even saying it was said directly. This is what I heard. So it doesn't matter what you do. But if you just believe, it doesn't matter what you do. I don't get that. What you do is evidence of what you believe. Paul said it like this. I don't know how I could have read verses, because I read my Bible. I was a good Protestant. Galatians 5.21. You can put the whole thing up there. 5.19-21. Now the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual morality, purity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, Enmity, start feeling good about some of those, right? Sorcery, I don't practice that. Enmity, strife, jealousy, huh. fits of anger. How's that one feel? Fits of anger, rivalry, dissension, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warn you. As I warned you before, this isn't the first time I've said it to those of you who continue in apathy, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. I don't know what else to say. In my head, and maybe what was being taught, was this idea that as soon as you believe, you automatically are none of these things, even if you practice these things. 
I don't see where that is in the Bible. That's apathy. And I'm familiar with it. And it's destructive. And those who practice these things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Those aren't my words. Why do I say them? Well, we're reading Galatians. And I just want to make sure you don't hear things the way I heard them growing up and continue to practice destructive behavior. That when I have friends that I know and love and they come into my office and they've been hearing me teach for years and then I find out that they've been practicing this stuff for years, I think, am I responsible? You ever feel like that, Claude? Am I responsible? Have I been clear enough? Or have I backed off from this, thinking it might create tension or bad feelings? And I tell you, I love you too much to not bring up this verse. He loves me too much for me not to bring up this verse. That I didn't have to do all that destructive behavior and just be apathetic towards it all. That wasn't my only option. I didn't just have as options legalism and apathy. And this, by the way, in, in no way when we practice these things does it remove from us the possibility to carry out Luke 18, right? Luke 18, the tax collector, he's practiced stuff like this, and when he looks back and he sees it, he pounds his chest, right? And he says, Lord, have mercy on me, a sinner, and he goes away justified. Luke 18 is always available, because that means in that moment, I'm not doing these things. I'm doing the opposite at that point. I'm doing what Paul talks about when he says, I crucify the flesh. That I'm looking back and I'm regretting and I'm dying to it and I can taste the death in my mouth. I want it out. And I turn to him. But when I do this, it's not like I now have a pass, an apathetic pass to go run and do it again. Oh, there's a good response. So what is it? Because maybe for some of you, it's feeling a little personal. And then when we say don't be apathetic, we're not saying, well, then run off and be legalistic. They're both deadly. They don't work. My Catholic friends and me, we were all dying. What's the answer? Believing and receiving the Spirit is the only good response to destructive behavior. That Paul is now clicked into chapter 3, and he's going to continue to talk about our hero, the Spirit of God, that we're told in Romans, where, by the way, Paul addresses this same issue of apathy in Romans, right? Romans 6, chapter 1. You don't have to put it up there, Matt. But Romans 6, chapter 1 says, hey, what do we say? If, if we now have grace, do we just keep on sinning? Can we keep on sinning? 
Can we just play the apathetic card? And Paul says, no way. What he talks about there and here is the Holy Spirit has been poured out into our hearts because he loves us. That believing, he said, look, that's how you receive the Spirit in the beginning. Don't fall off. Keep going. Don't try to now start with the Spirit and end with the flesh. It won't work. You have to maintain your life. Remain in Christ. Stay with His Holy Spirit. That we're told in verse 2, that look, you didn't get the Spirit. You didn't receive the Spirit. And we're told in verse 5, and you didn't experience His miraculous power by being legalistic. But this miraculous power, it sets us free. (laughs) We're going to hear a lot more about freedom moving forward in Galatians. If you had one word for Galatians, that might be the word. Freedom, freedom, freedom. Freedom from what? Freedom from enslavement to sin. That I actually had gone through all those great sermons and somehow not picked up on this idea. Look, when I receive the Spirit, when I believe and receive, I am not just washed from past sin that I am now empowered to live free. I don't need the law to act as a school teacher for me. I don't need the law. I have the Spirit. I don't need to continue in that destructive behavior. That's the life of the flesh. I don't need it anymore. I just have to listen to Him. In John 10, Jesus said it like this. The sheep recognize the voice of the good shepherd. Right? There's other voices out there. There's still those same old destructive behavior voices. There's still those same voices that can come into our heads that says, oh, so-and-so in my family cuts me down. I know how this game goes. I'll go right back to my own destructive behavior. I cut them right back as fast and as loud as I can. And that's what you do. And you move right back into that stranger's voice is how it's described in John 10, right? Jesus says, I'm the good shepherd. You can hear my voice. You can hear the Spirit talking to you. He leads us. But there are still that old nature. There's still that destructive behavior. There's still all that debauchery, that old nature coming in and speaking to you and saying, run this way. We who believe that Jesus is who he said he is, we receive his spirit into our hearts and we change. We can change. We no longer have to live in drunkenness or sexual immorality or anger, rage, all that destructive behavior. In fact, We can't. I don't know how else to interpret Paul's language. That those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. 
doesn't mean we go around terrified. It means we're terrified to leave him. As soon as we do the Luke 18 thing, right? Have mercy on me, a sinner, and turn to him. All fear is removed. If we step over here and start running towards that destructive behavior again, you're supposed to be afraid. It's going to end really bad. But we don't have to go the apathetic way or the legalistic way. We go the way that Christ laid out for us. That we can receive, believe and receive. And that believing and receiving the Spirit is the only good, the only healthy response to destructive behavior. There's a lot of lies out there. One of them is that you can never change. That you've been doing the same thing as long as you can remember. It's a lie. You can never change on your own. But the Spirit is doing miraculous works among us. He can change you. That's all that crucifixion, resurrection language. That that's what people are supposed to see. That's who we're supposed to experience. We experience resurrection. What has resurrection looked like in your life? And is there an area of your life, maybe you're thinking, look, there's this one area, like I always hate this guy, and I always have, I can't change, or I've always had a bad temper, whatever it might be, that maybe this is the first time, or maybe the first time in a long time, that you're considering that no destructive behavior, no sin is allowed. We are not allowed to justify any of it, to be apathetic towards any of it. Maybe that's hitting you for the first time and it feels a little overwhelming. Like, what am I supposed to do now? Can I even do anything about it? Why would he take me at this point? Guilt can be crushing. I just want to put up the last part of chapter 2, verse 20. In the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Paul gets real personal at that point. This is what can give us the freedom to behave like that tax collector. That we really can pound our chest and say, Lord, have mercy. And he does. And he pours out his spirit into our hearts because he loves us. And by the spirit, we can live free, resurrected lives, crucifying that old destructive behavior. Don't justify or be apathetic to even the smallest piece if you criticize someone and it hurt them, just go back and say sorry. Don't justify it. And then start just, in this moment, we just commit ourselves to, again, listening to the voice of the Good Shepherd. We're listening to His Spirit who sets us free. It's the only good response to destructive behavior. Amen? Have a wonderful week.